How's everybody doing? Good? I love this time of year when our kids come in. It's like one of those kind of special times where, uh, well, one of two things happens. Uh, some of you parents out there going, oh, dude, no, this is not the best time of year, but it really is. It's good. Every one of these kids in here is created in the image of God. And their little voices, the little brother tweaking his other brother while he's sitting there, all these different things understand something. It is a blessing to have all these kids at our church. And so with it, I love this week. It's awesome. So if you're a kid in here who doesn't normally come in, we totally love and appreciate you. We're glad you're here. But here's the second reason I love it. Because some of you are really dour and sour. And you look around at those kids and you go, oh, they're ruining my experience with the Lord. How dare these little ones ruin my experience? No, you're ruining their experience, you know? So it's like, yes. But if you are dour and sour right now, I will give you a hug, even though I'm not a hugger afterwards, and I'll tell you it's going to be okay, all right? Now, here's what we did this week that was really important. Our main goal was to make sure that we introduced or reintroduced your kid to the God of the universe. The greatest thing that anybody can ever encounter is the one who created them. We wanted to not just introduce them to the God of the universe, but we wanted to introduce them to the God of the universe who sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the form of a man, fully human, fully God. He came, lived amongst us, lived a perfect life. But the amazing part about it is, is because we as humans were far off from God, Jesus Christ, even while we were still sinners, did what? He died for us. And therefore now, if we place our faith in him, we can understand that I can know the God of the universe. Now let me tell you something. If you don't think a three, four, or five-year-old can understand that, then you don't understand God. And so all week long, we were introducing him to this God of the universe and where he comes from. And one of the things that we're going to try to do this summer, we're going to take a little bit of break from 1 Corinthians, and we're going to talk about this God, but we're going to look at him from the book of Psalms. We're going to spend the whole summer in the Psalms as we're taking this little break. But here's why I want to be in the Psalms. I think for a lot of you out there, some of you in your walk with the Lord, you're just feeling dry. You're kind of going through the motions of life. Even some of you this morning are sitting there wondering, now why did I even come to church this morning? You're just out there and you're wanting to know can I reacquaint myself with the God of the universe? And whenever I get this place, I go to the Psalms. Whenever I hit that point in which I'm sitting there reminding myself, because what, what the writers of all the Psalms do is they take you through every facet of life, don't they? They take you through the up times, the down times, every other time in between. And the focal point of the Psalms always calls us back to God, the God of the universe. Sometimes people wonder why I kind of look around at our world that's falling apart and they're looking at me going, why do you seem so much like it doesn't matter? Well, it matters, but it kind of doesn't matter because we serve the God of the universe. And so the Psalms talk about the kings warring and doing all these different things. And it says even in the one we're going to look at next week, Psalm 2, it's almost as if God laughs. You just go on with your bad self. Do your thing. I'm God. And so what we're going to try to do this summer is we're going to try to read the Psalms. Starting July 1st, I'm going to send out, and this is what I'd love everybody to do. Psalms is broken into 150 chapters. There's Psalm 1 all the way to 50. 
And what we're going to try to do is on the first day, July 1, we're going to read either Psalm 1, Psalm 31, Psalm 61, Psalm 91, or Psalm 121. I was a math major in college. Day 2, 2, 32. In other words, we're going to just dive in together as a church and just read the Psalms again and enjoy being in there. You're going to have five to choose from every single week. We're going to learn again how great it was. We're going to try to do this thing called memorization. You remember that thing? Some of you are out there going, I'm not doing either of those. You need to go to the cry room then. That's where we're going to send you, all right? Silly kids telling me to read my Bible and memorize. The cry room is for you today, all right? So that's where you're at. But the other part that we're going to try to do is to talk about it as a church. I don't think we brag enough about God. And the whole of Psalms is a brag about the God of the universe. And so that's what we're going to kind of be looking at. We'll open it up a little bit deeper uh, next week uh, when we're kind of together without the kids. But that's why I just want to dive in there. I want to reacquaint ourselves and just nurture ourselves and enjoy the God of the universe. But here's what we're going to look at today, which is Psalm 1. So if you got your Bible with you, let's do this. With your kids and everyone, let's stand up and we're going to read Psalm 1 together. So everybody just kind of acknowledgement to the, just the Lord of the universe. Let's read it. Uh, Some of you that maybe don't attend church much, you're thinking, man, I feel like I'm back at the Catholic church. Great. Then stand back up. We're going to kneel too, maybe. So, all right. Let me just read it for you and just catch the feel of this. And this will kind of kick us off for the summer. Blessed, and that word actually means happy, satisfied, content, is the person who walks in the who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in, in, in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Can you pray with me? Father, thanks so much for letting us have these little ones in with us today. Thank you for letting us have the uh, not so little ones in here as well. Father, would you help me to communicate? And Father, I believe your word is powerful enough to reach a four-year-old and a 90-year-old. And so I can't wait to see how you're going to do that in your precious word name. Amen. All right, have a seat. <clears throat> now, if you noticed, the first word in there is the word blessed. Now, I don't know how many of you, when you hear that word, you think blessed. And you think it's such this word that's like... Blah, 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 blah. Here's what he needs you to understand about this word. The very first word of the Psalms that he wants us to understand that conveys the rest of the book is this idea of happy. Now, if you're a kid in here that's maybe under the age of seven, show your parents right now what happy looks like. Show them. What does happy look like? (laughs) That's awesome. One of them's crying over here. (laughs) That's what I felt like all week. Now with it, the whole point that he wants us to get across is, is happy is the man who. Now we got to redefine this word happy though. Sometimes we think happy equals giddy. Now if you're anything like me, I am not a natural giddy person. 
In fact, before I came to know Jesus, I didn't even like people. God did a work in me. Now I do love people, just so you know. But I am married to a giddy woman. And she needs me to balance her out. (laughs) She's gone today, so I can say whatever I want. But in it, he's not talking about how it necessarily comes out in our face, by the way. When he's talking about happy, he's talking about something deeper and richer and more satisfying than just our circumstances around us. He's talking about a joy that comes from within that is massive. He's talking about no matter what hits us in this world, we can face anything that comes along us because now he's going to connect this, that those who are about to walk in a certain way, they are people that are just deep within them, rich and satisfied. Now the question we have to ask then is how do I find this happiness? That's the first question that should be going in our heads. If that's true, how do we find this happiness? In fact, all of you out there that have kids, you know this. One of the main things that I hear from parents when they talk about their kids is I just want my kid to be what? Happy. Now here's the crazy part about happiness. If you try to pursue it, you will never get it. Let me say this again. If you try to pursue happiness, you will never find it. It's that elusive brass ring that we always reach for. And what the psalmist is going to do is teach us that it's not the pursuit of happiness. I don't have to go after happiness. I need to find God. And when I find God, this happiness he talks about finds me. That's the big issue here. Now, what he's going to first do, though, in this question of how I find happiness, he's going to help us to understand that who you hang around matters. Now, look down at verse 2 if you got your Bibles. Blessed is the man, and he's going to say this, who walks, stands, or sits, not with, sin, not with these people that he's going to talk off of the wicked, not the sinners, not the scoffers. Now, let me just unpack that word of, of what it means to walk, stand, and sit. So the other night, I'm watching TV, and a commercial came on for a truck. Now, everybody knows I grew up in Wyoming, and there's nothing cooler than a big truck. And I'm watching that thing, and you know how the TV basically is telling to you, if you're a real man, you'll buy a truck. I drive around a Pontiac vibe, so that thing was just speaking at me. The idea of to walk in the way of the wicked, the wicked are this group of people, the way the Bible talks about it, they are people that are convicted by God. In other words, they're, they're, they're found guilty, and they're the people whispering to us, you need this. This is something you need. In order to be happy, you need this. Now, the six places unhappy people try to find happiness that I've just kind of thought through in this whole thing, one is we think we can find happiness in things, don't we? Man, if I could just get that truck I was talking about, then I could be the manliest man to ever walk the planet. I would, in the back of it, put shovels and all kinds of things, even though I don't know how to use one. And we would just drive around in it, and I would just look like a man. It's that to those moments. Remember when you were first getting married and you thought, finally, when I get a house. And then you buy one. And finally, when I get out of this house, right? (laughs) Your kid that's sitting there. I remember the first time. Remember remember the first commercial that you heard about Slinky? 
What goes downstairs, a loner in pairs. Remember that? The kids are looking at me like, what? Now in that, I just thought, man, if I have a slinky, I will be what? So in order to do that, though, I need money. So if I could just get money. But then I realized in order to get that money, I need the right job. And so I go out and I'm elusively trying to find the perfect job. Let me just tell you something. There is no such thing as the perfect job. If you're sitting around looking for it, thinking, oh, if I just find the perfect job, you won't. If I tell myself, you know what, what I need is a little bit of an escape. If I just had the right vacation, I would be happy. My wife pulled that one on. She's been gone since Thursday. She left me home alone with four children. And she's going to come back and I'm going to look at her and I'm going to say, that didn't make you happy, did it? We think if we can escape ourselves into TV, the number one babysitter right now in the United States is not a person, but a machine. We just think to ourselves, man, this is where I'll find happiness. We tell ourselves not only that, but oh, you know, at the end of it, if I could just have the right relationships. Remember for some of you in here that were married, you got, you sat down and you thought, oh, this person across from me is the greatest person ever. They're going to make me so happy. Then you come back from your honeymoon and it's like, you don't make me happy. Why? Because the relationships, while they're important, aren't designed to give us this deep happiness that God's talking about. See, all those things, that's what the world tells us. And so we sit there like a person watching this commercial going, oh, I want it. And the next part of it, it says we stand with, with this next group of people called sinners. The next part is, if you can imagine, I'm going off to a car lot. I've seen that beautiful truck that's out in front of me. It would be black. It's four-wheel drive. It's got hubs that won't quit. And I walk into that particular thing and I sit around and I touch the trucks. And then finally the salesman comes up and he goes, Hello. (laughs) I think you need one in candy apple red. So I test drive it. That's what this word is. What happens is we see it, we want it, and then we just think to ourselves, oh, I'm going to go test drive it. Just drive it around for a little bit. This will make me happy. Until finally, the salesman (laughs) hands you off to the worst of all people, the manager, and you sign on the dotted line and you've bought it. The next one after that is not just that now we stand with sinners, but the next point about it is, is that now we sit with the scoffer. It's that we fully buy into it. Have you ever thought about this? I don't just get into sin overnight. It's something that takes time. I slowly look at it. I go test drive it. And then finally what happens is I buy into it. And the psalmist says, if I'm ever going to have this joy and contentment and happiness the Bible talks about, that can't be where I sit. It's one of the things with you, sometimes we think our kids, right? Be careful of the people you hang around. 
But in it, man, we just find all these different ways in which we just slowly buy into the world. Now, what he's talking about is, he's going to unpack it here in a little bit. We just start to delight in it. We start to meditate around it, and we then embrace it. That's the first side of it. Now, what this psalmist is going to do is give us another one. Now, watch these words. Instead of that... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, it says he meditates day and night. The word there is delight. It means to find great pleasure in. Man, before my wife left, she made me the perfect meal. I took pleasure in it. I came home, and she fired up the grill, and she put on a fat T-bone steak. She kicked it. It came in. You know when it's still sizzling on the inside? Baked potato. She had corn. I walked into that thing and I said, baby, you, you go away for four days, honey. You just go on. But I just sit there and the idea is, is that I found pleasure in it. See, I think sometimes when we talk about the law of the Lord or the better word there is like the instruction of the Lord. Some of us sit there and go, oh my gosh. In fact, we've all gone through times of that, huh? When we didn't delight in the law of the Lord. What he's talking about here, though, requires something. In order for me to to delight in the law of the Lord, his next part about it, though, starts to define it. It says, on his law, he meditates day and night. See, a lot of it is we meditate and we hang out inside of the world. We sit there and we buy into it. We watch TV. We're on the internet because somehow we think there's, we can get to the end of it. And we just consume all this information. We watch CNN and Fox News and MSNBC. So I'm not a, I don't want to cause anybody to stumble. Whatever you listen to. And we just sit there and constantly, have you ever noticed what CNN, MSNBC and Fox News constantly tell us? The world is falling apart. As if Christians are going, no way. Yes, we already knew that. But our God reigns. And we end up meditating on that over and over and over to the point where finally we buy into and we just sit there and we buy into the fact that our world is falling apart, but we forget that there's a God in control. And what he's saying is, is I want you to grab this stuff and meditate on it. Now, one of the words for meditation is a cow chewing cud. You ever seen that before? It's a pretty thing. That cow's sitting there looking at you. I grew up in Wyoming, so I got to see lots of cows. And they just sit there, and it's a drool. When's the last time you read the word and you just drooled? If you did, there's something wrong with you. But the, in it, right, it's just this idea that to chew over and over and over. The other word, in fact, this word, does anybody know what an onomatopoeia is? A word that What? Sounds like it. Okay, everybody that's in here as a kid, pay attention real quick. Look up at me. Can you say, Haga? Haga? Now, everybody, when I tell you to, I want you to say it over and over again. Are you ready? Ready? One, two, three. Haga, haga, haga. You love that word, huh? It actually is an automatopoeia. It was the idea of a lion over the top of meat just sitting there pawing at it, going, Haga, haga, haga. In other words, with this, if I ever want to delight in it, I have to be in it. I've got to actually sit and read it and know it. Parents that are in here, listen to me. 
It is not a wrong pursuit for your kids to be happy, but be careful what you help them find their happiness in. Help them to learn what it means to find their happiness in the law of the Lord, in his writings, and in his instruction. Dive into it with them. Get to know it. In fact, this month, I want to challenge you, those of you that are parents. I don't care if your kid is little, to even if you've got, I don't know, a 40-year-old still at home. Get them together and start reading with them and help them to hagah. Thank you. I'm in Park next week. But off of it, seriously, just get them to know it. Explain it to them. Have you ever thought about it? The Psalms can cover not only the stuff that's up here on the surface, but it can go as deep as you want to go. And it trains me about life. Now, the next part about it is very important, and I want everybody to listen closely. That's how he says we're going to. It's either I'm acquainted with the world or I'm acquainted with God. That's the key to being happy. But the next question in somebody's head is why? In verse 3, he's going to tell us. It says, This one who meditates day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and out of season. His leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. If you can imagine with me for just a second, there's a psalmist that's sitting up on a hill and he's looking out over the Judean plain. And he's sitting there writing going, how do I explain why this is so important that people understand this meditation on the law of God versus meditating on the world? And if he would have been sitting up on that hill, there would have been these canals that wove their way through there. And next to all the canals, they would plant these trees. And these trees and the grass would grow up around these canals. And he probably in it saw those particular trees and just went, that's it right there. Those ones that are planted next to a stream and representing just this idea of one who knows the law of the Lord, those trees right there, that's the promise of God. They will become these ones that whether it's winter or fall or spring or whatever it is, whether the wind blows, whether the rain comes down, in all those things, those people, it says, will flourish. Here's the point. If you want your kids to flourish, they got to know the Word of God. But they will never love the Word of God until you love the Word of God. In it, show them, demonstrate it. Live it out in front of them. Let them see that as the winds and everything come along, no matter what it is, you are not driven from one side to the other side. Let them see as you battle through to get to know God again and again because all of us in here fail all the time. Let them see what a tree looks like and then plant them next to it and watch what happens as they engross it. They're immovable. But the other side is, he says this, But the wicked are not so. Look down there, verse 4. They're like chaff. Now, a lot of you, I didn't grow up in the Midwest. I grew up on a wheat farm. And if you grab wheat and you put it together, the seeds were inside of these little containers called chaff. And you'd rub them together. You could put it up in the wind. And the chaff would just blow away. In it, what he's talking about is, is there either a tree, and here's the dichotomy, or they're chaff, and there's nothing in between. There's not partial chaff, partial tree. The idea is, is either you're a tree next to this particular river, or you're just a bunch of chaff. Maybe another word picture, if you can imagine that guy sitting up on that hill, and he's looking down over the hill, and he's seeing the, the, the particular canal go through it with these trees. Have you ever seen a tumbleweed before? 
just rolls and rolls and the wind blows this way and the wind blows that way. In it, what he's talking about is, is that when the world influences you, when you buy into its system, happiness just blows you here and blows you there and blows you back again. The psalmist is saying to this group of people, do you understand? Knowing God is the greatest thing ever. In fact, I would say this. Happiness is not an external thing. It's an internal work of God. And that means even if the world is falling apart, even if all around us, around us goes to, to pot, inside of it is these people that know God and happiness comes from within. Now here's the final thing though. The Bible is fascinating how it always puts people on a path. And let me ask you this question. Which path characterizes your life? Are you somebody that delights in the instruction of God? See, those that don't delight in the instruction of God, he says that these ones will wither and perish and be destroyed. Solomon later wrote this, there's this way that seems right to men, but in the end it leads to what? Destruction and death. Jesus said there's a way that's narrow and hard that leads to life. There's this other path, though, that is wide and easy, and it leads to death. And he's talking about this thing where all of us in here, we stand on the path looking at it going, which path will I take? And isn't it a daily decision? Oh, my goodness. Last night I walked in, and everything in me wanted to open Netflix and just escape. But in it, God is speaking to us going, isn't there something greater? Are we a people that just chew on it? And so with it, one of the things I want to do this summer is I want to be meditators on his word. I'd like you to grab Psalms, read it with your kids, chew on it like a cow chews on, on cud, like a lion, sits there and just consumes it over and over again. But let me tell you this. If that's not what you want then I would say you probably don't want to be around this summer. I love all of you and I want you here, but all we're going to hammer on is this idea of knowing the God of the universe. Amen? All right, now, no, no, I'm going to let you, I got in trouble by Mark's knee because I don't let you clap. I don't want you to clap because I want you to explode when we sing, okay? Here's the last thing. Every year I tell myself, don't waste your summer. I know a lot of you have vacations. I know a lot of you have family stuff to do. I know you've got a lot going on this summer. What will it look like by Labor Day if we have engrossed ourselves into knowing the God of the universe? You ever thought about that? I want to have time of rejoicing when we hit Labor Day that Cornerstone didn't take the summer off from knowing God. And so with it, stand up, hold it in, hold it in. I'm going to bring the band up. No, stand up, but hold it in. Just keep it together. All right, where's the band? Come hither, band. Cornerstone, because we have the God that controls the entire universe, because we have the Son that came and took on humanity to free us from sin, and because we have the Holy Spirit that will transform us from within, don't waste your summer.
Let's be a group of people that dive into the Psalms together and come out of this summer completely changed people. Amen? Amen. Let's sing.